we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 29th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. On Monday's show, we'll continue our special coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations football tournament, or AFCON, in Ivory Coast. Round of 16 action is continuing at African football's premier event. Cape Verde will play Mauritania in Monday's first match in Abidjan, and that will be followed by a game between host Ivory Coast and defending AFCON champion Senegal in Yamasukro. Nigeria, Angola, Guinea, and the Democratic Republic of Congo all scored victories over the weekend and advanced to the quarterfinals. Joining me now here in Studio 22 for some AFCON insights is VOA Nations Cup reporter Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty AFCON greetings, Muckbill. Sporty AFCON greetings, Sonny. And welcome back from Abidjan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. Good to have you back, Muckbill. Let's take a look at the opening match this evening. Cape Verde versus Mauritania. Two surprise teams how do you see that one, Muckbill? Cape Verde and Mauritania have been both uh, shocker teams uh, to make it through to the next round. Mauritania's pathway has been a bit more difficult than Cape uh, Verde's pathway. Uh, they lost their first two games, but were able to get a win in their last game. You know when they say, Sonny, sometimes when you have your fate in your own hands mm. and they were able to get it done to get themselves to the very next level uh they will be going up against a challenging cape verdean team that has not lost in their group phase cape verde with uh came out with seven points they won their first two games and ended up with a draw against egypt in their final game um it shows me a lot about the character of that team um after their first two games they didn't need to play their starters because they were automatically through in their group. Uh, but they really wanted to show that, you know, this group is is something different and unlike what we've seen in the past of a smaller island country uh, like Cape Verde. And they've really uh, showed us that they have the class uh, to make it through uh, even beyond uh, the quarters. The day's second match, the defending champions from Senegal, the Lions of Taranga, Go up against the host team, Muckbill, the elephants of Ivory Coast. And I know we chatted when you were in Abidjan, but uh, Ivory Coast hoping that 12th man, the crowd, will make a difference. I, I think they are going to do everything they potentially can uh, to rile up the morale and boost everything. Because you got to remember, they were the very last team, third place team, to make it through. Yep. And they actually made it through because Morocco was able to beat Zambia. And I was watching that game. That game was, you know, everybody in the city and in the entire country was rocking and rooting for <laughs> Morocco to beat Zambia. Because Zambia, <laughs> all they needed was a tie. And towards the end of that game, it started getting scary. They had a couple of opportunities to potentially get that draw. If they would have got that draw, we would not be talking about Lay. Les Elephants right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I know uh, they, they played a really good game um, against uh, Equatorial Guinea as it pertained to, you know, ball possession. Um, they had 22 shots. 
but only three were on target. So sometimes it's not so much about the opportunities. It's how do you seize the moments when you get few opportunities? You know, Equatorial Guinea, uh, unfortunately for them, have been bounced out uh, by uh, Guinea. By Guinea. By Guinea. Uh, but, you know, somebody like Emilia Nsue really has shown us, you know, what he means to that team. He's the all-time leading scorer uh, for Equatorial Guinea. And he had an initial very great first touch against Ivory Coast in that first game. Was able to. And once that first goal went in, it seemed like everything was going Equatorial Guinea's way. Even though Ivory Coast still had a lot of possession. So um, here we are. You're, you know, it's like you make it through. But now you got to play Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> well... We can make a few predictions on the sunny side of sports, Muckbill. I'm going to go with the defending champions, the Lions of Taranga, and I got to go with those Blue Sharks. Who do you like? Yeah, um, if, if I'm, you know, I, I think I, I like those choices. I'm not going to lie to you, Sonny. <laughs> uh, going up against Senegal is, is a very, very uh, tough task and a tall ask for, uh, for Ivory Coast simply because, uh, to me, Senegal, of the stronger teams, uh, has been the one that have shown me undefeated in the group phase. Nine points have scored. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, close to nine goals as well, um, or I think eight goals. Yeah, three in the first, three in the second, two in the uh, two in the final game. So what they've shown me is they have a very complete roster, Sonny. Mm, mm. You know, they got the OGs, the Sadio Manis, the Koulibaly's, and then they have this new set of younger players, uh, Lamin Kamara, the Ismaila, the young youngsters that, you know, have been shown the ways and the ropes by these older veterans, um, but they've given them the opportunity to shine as well. So when you have leaders like that, uh, it, what it does for the confidence of the younger players is, is, is you really can't can't put it to words. Well, let's look back on the weekend matches, Muckbill. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Angola, Nigeria, Guinea, and the Democratic Republic of Congo all scored victories. The DRC, probably the most tense, exciting match of the weekend. They pull out a penalty kick victory over Egypt, winning 8-7 to seven on penalty kicks after a one-all draw after extra time. And I'm looking at the uh, scores in that shootout, Muckbill. The two goalkeepers played pivotal roles. Talk about that. Man, it's so sad when the PKs go this far and you have <laughs> goalies that may not be the number one, number two, number three option to, to take a PK, but it ends up all on the shoulders of the two goalies. The Egyptian goalie, unfortunately, was unable to score and convert. It hit the crossbar. It wasn't mm. a bad-looking penalty kick, honestly. It just was a bit high. And then, you know, you got DRC's goalkeeper really coming in. He had a little bit of a smile and a smirk on his face <laughs> right before he took the PK. So maybe he was a lot more comfortable than, you know, than some of his actual, uh, uh, you know, field mates. <laughs> and, and, and he re really was able to get the job done to put them through to the next round. DRC has been a team that has shown a level of physicality, um, wanting to be in the match. Uh, we saw them play against Morocco in that draw against Morocco uh, in their group phase. They are not a team to be played with. They will be going up against Guinea, and uh, we'll see what they do. But they've been a team that has, you know, impressed me thus far. Muckville, what about the Pharaohs of Egypt? Winners of a record seven Nations Cup trophies. 
disappointing campaign. They, they did not win a match in Ivory Coast. Yeah, Sonny, uh, they didn't win a match. All three of their games ended in draws. 2-2, uh, two, two, to, to be exact, were the exact same score for all three matches. One could argue and say that they actually were lucky to get draws in some of these games where they really were out of the game and they were, you know, out hustled, but, you know, somehow were able to just kind of find the back of the net, you know, losing their star winger, uh, Mohamed Salah, Mo Salah, you know, who's been on form uh, for his club team, Liverpool. Uh, was leading in uh, in the Premier League in goals and was leading in uh, assists before he went out to Egypt. I'm not too sure what the what the stats look like right now, uh, but he was in the lead prior to making his way to Afcon, getting hurt. You know, I was there, watched that Egypt Ghana mm. game. I saw him get hurt off a non-contact play, uh, but you know, it seemed to me like Egypt really was just trying to look. For him continually, and sometimes when you have a player of that pedigree and that caliber, you've got players that are just looking to him to show and create some kind of brilliance out of nowhere. And really, it may have been a hindrance to their team. As soon as he was injured and he came out of the rotation, you saw the team play a little bit with a little bit more free uh, motion. It seemed like they were a little bit, uh, you know, you couldn't tell what they were going to do. Prior to him getting hurt, and I believe it was like the 40th minute, maybe late 30th minute in that Egypt-Ghana game, I would say maybe only one or two possessions were played on the left wing, and where he plays on the right wing, almost every other offensive possession was coming to him. So when you're Ghana, or any other team for that matter, and you know that this team is relying so heavily on this player... I'm going to put all my concentration on this on this player mm. and make sure that anybody but him beats me. And I feel like Ghana was doing a really good job at shutting down Mo, causing him maybe to actually re-aggravate and injure himself because he was trying to work so hard to get out of that, you know, that defensive scheme that they had around him. But um, this is the first time in a, lo- a long time, actually, that I believe only... There's only one uh, North African team at the moment that's still left uh, in competitions. And... I think four or five of them were ranked top six going coming into this AFCON. So a lot of them have burnt out, uh, and and really nobody had expected Tunisia, the Algerias, right, uh, to not still be in competition. Uh, but it's it's it, this has been an AFCON of full of surprises, and uh, it's it's still going uh, really really uh, really well for some of these smaller teams. Well, Mukbil Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer for ACLSports.com, he's going to talk about Nigeria's 2-0 victory over Cameroon. So we'll hold off on that match. But what about Guinea prevailing over neighbor Equatorial Guinea? 1-0 on a late goal from Bio. Man, uh, huge, huge goal. Uh, you know, when you have neighbors going up against each other, it's for all the pride, you know, <laughs> and you have a team <laughs> like Equatorial Guinea who came out of their group at the top. They they were in a monstrous group, you know, uh, scoring, I believe, like nine goals. Wow. Emilio Insue, uh having scored five or six goals in the, in, 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 uh, the group phases. Uh, it, it's kind of sad seeing a team play so well throughout the group phase and then come out and are not able to get the job done to push themselves through to the quarters. Uh, but it just really shows you that, hey, once the knockout phase starts, Sonny, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. It doesn't matter what rank you were coming out of your group. It didn't matter. None of that stuff matters. You know, you may see a scenario where Ivory Coast, because Ivory Coast in their last game, 
uh, against Equatorial Guinea was completely dominating that game. They just weren't able to score. So if Ivory Coast comes in with that intensity, comes in with that 12th man uh, in their uh, arena, in that stadium, roaring, Who's to say they don't give Senegal a difficult, like a, a very, very tough challenge? Let's say they score early. It can be a very, very difficult uh, environment for Senegal. So we'll see, man. Anything is possible. Nothing is guaranteed. Muckbill on Friday, February 2nd, the Palancas Negras from Angola will go up against the Super Eagles of Nigeria. Angola advanced with an impressive 3-0 victory over Southern African neighbor Namibia. Your thoughts? Yeah, Angola, uh, Sonny, has shown us that they want it all. They are a team that is coming. They're playing gritty. They're playing physical. They are leaving it all on the line. When you see a team that says, hey, look, we have 90 minutes plus a few minutes of extra time, but we're not going to leave anything up to chance, and we're going to literally lay it all on the line this is what this team is doing they've shown us time and time again that they might not have a superstar a super duper star by the level of you know somebody like a Osiman, right but we are a collective and we all play for each other and we are not scared of none of these big teams we're not scared of anybody and we are willing to give nigeria nigeria hasn't had that great of a a group face to be honest with you you know they came out and, and beat cameroon in decisive fashion, but outside of that, they weren't. They're not super impressive. It seems like Nigeria is starting to pick up pace now. Yes, they're they're getting the momentum going right now. So this is kind of like a perfect storm. You got one team that's just been gritty from the entirety of the start of this competition, and one that's starting to pick up momentum that believe that they can make it all the way to the end. We'll see. It's going to be a huge, huge game, huge clash, and. uh We'll see. I can't even really call it. If I was to give a slight edge, I might see Nigeria because of the momentum and having that star quality like a Osiman up front. He creates chances out of nothing. Uh, but Angola has really shown us that they're really well coached and they have a core group that's willing to play together. Um, yeah. VOA Nations Cup reporter, Muckbill Yabaro. Thanks, Muckbill. Thanks, Sonny. <laughs> and we're going to have more Africa Cup of Nations football news. But first, let's serve up some tennis. Yannick Sinner of Italy and Arena Sabalenka of Belarus won the men's and women's singles titles at the Australian Open, the year's first major tournament. Craig Gabriel reports from Melbourne. Yannick Sinner is the Australian Open champion. In a sensational turnaround, the Italian has come back from two sets to love down to score the greatest victory of his life and the greatest comeback of his life at one of the biggest championships in the world. Sinner has defeated Daniel Medvedev 3-6-3-6-6-4-6-4-6-3 in 3 hours 44 minutes. The 22-year-old produced winners that were like bazookas. They were glorious to watch and absolutely mesmerizing. Some of the forehands that went down the line and cross-scored were from another planet. Sinner is the youngest winner since Novak Djokovic in 2008. He's the first Italian to win an Australian Open and the third Italian man to win a major, joining Nicola Pierangeli and Adriano Panata. And his name is the first new one on the Sir Norman Brooks Cup since Stan Wawrinka in 2014. It's the fourth straight time Sinner has beaten Medvedev. No, for sure, it takes a little a little while to process everything, but I'm extremely happy how, how I handled also today's situation on court was was very very tough. And but I think the most important part was 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 the support I had throughout 
these two weeks. Um, I felt that many, many people were watching also uh, from home uh, in the TV, so I I just tried my best. I, um, I was a little bit <laughs> in trouble today uh, with uh, two sets to love down and, and a little little bit over one hour, so I, I just tried to stay, stay positive, trying to stick into the game plan, which I had to adjust a little bit. Uh, Daniel is, uh, is an incredible player, and um, he has showed this also today again, an incredible fighter. Um, he has been so many hours on court, and uh, so it's it's. I'm I'm obviously sorry for for him today, but uh, for sure he will he will lift some more Grand Slam trophies. This is just the second time in his career that he's come back from two sets to love down to win. It looked like he'd be third time lucky for Daniel Medvedev, but instead it became the third time he was the bridesmaid, and you have to feel sorry for him. I think sympathy is always nice. So already, like, I didn't have time to answer, but I really got a lot of friends, you know. Some text me out after every match. Some other tennis players, my friends, some of them 200, 300. And they, some of them, I saw already the messages. They were like, I'm proud of you, bro. Uh, like, a big man hug to you and stuff like this. And you read these messages, and uh, that's a nice feeling. That's a nice feeling after a tough loss when... Uh, because I was always like, I, you know, in, in Russia we have a, a say, um, better have a, well, how is it? Well, anyway, I forgot it. But uh, better have a three uh, very good friends than hundred just people, you know, that are there when you win and when you, when you lose. They don't really care. I, I think uh, I follow this uh, advice really well. I really have uh, people in my life... Uh, I try to have people around me that I trust and they can trust me. And some others, I, I, I don't want to be loved by everyone. It's impossible. But I want uh, people that I love, that they love me back, but like a close circle. And uh, sympathy is nice. So I, I felt really bad after Rafa's loss. I don't know how I'm going to feel in one week or in one month because sometimes the deception comes after. And like after Rafa's loss... Was it the reason or not? I had my worst season. So I have no idea what's happening next, but I'm really going to try to keep the mentality that uh, I go for next Grand Slam and I try to, to win there. And uh, in the middle, there's going to be some other tournaments. And if I play them, I play them to win. Otherwise, uh, I would stay at home with my family. So, yeah. And just to recap Sinner's journey, the last few rounds, he beat Andrei Rublev, the world number five in the quarters. Then he beat the world number one, Novak Djokovic, in the semis. And now in the Australian Open final, he's beaten the world number three, Daniel Medvedev. Arena Sabalenka took 76 minutes to win her second consecutive Australian Open title, defeating Jen Qingwen 6-3-6-2. Sabalenka was on the attack from the start, and her aggressive play often had Cheng in trouble, but full marks to the Chinese player who never rolled over. She kept on fighting. Her best game was when Sabalenka served for the match. Cheng kept pressuring, and Sabalenka needed five match points to claim victory and throw her arms up in the air. Sabalenka's win over Cheng was vastly different to the three-set battle she had last year in the final, and the loss of just five games was the fewest number of games lost since 2012. That year, Victoria Azarenka defeated Maria Sharapova, 6-3, 6-love. This was the second meeting between Sabalenka and Zheng, and Sabalenka has won both. She's now the first woman to win the event in back-to-back years since Azarenka in 2012 and 13. She'll stay as world number two, whereas Zheng will move up to seven in the world.
and the Australian Open has set some new records. There were 35 five-set matches played, which equals the 1983 US Open record, and there were over a million fans that attended the 15 days of main draw action. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Melbourne. Thanks, Craig. More Africa Cup of Nations football news. Nigeria advanced to the AFCON quarterfinals with a 2-0 victory over Cameroon in Abidjan. Ademola Lukman with both goals for the Super Eagles. For reaction, Iron Mike Mbonye called Abidjan, where he reached the chief football writer at ACLsports.com. Fisayo Dairo. I think it was a straightforward game for Nigeria's Super Eagles. Games between Nigeria and Cameroon have always been tense, feisty, and cagey in times past. But Saturday night's encounter looked pretty much like a comfortable one for the Super Eagles. You know, perhaps since the first time both teams met at Afcon level at that same stadium on Saturday in 1984, when Cameroon won by three goals to one. I don't think there has been much to separate with both sides when they defeat. It's always victories through penalty shootout or by the odd goal margin. But on Saturday, Nigeria scored two unreplied goals. And I think that just underlined how the game went. Nigeria's goalkeepers, as it were, the first choice was injured, the second choice came on. They were not really tested by the Cameroonians. And Nigeria, the moment they scored the first goal in the first half, they never looked back from there. They were, they had the game under control, and everyone must will agree that Nigeria fully deserved their win. Perhaps apart from the Cameroonian head coach Gubert Song, who believed that Nigeria were not better than them, but they Nigeria just won because they gave Nigeria the victory. Regardless, it was a comfortable win for Nigeria, like I said, and the Super Eagles can now look forward to doing even better. It's the first time Nigeria was scoring two goals in a single game in this tournament. It's always in one goal per game, but on Saturday night they scored two goals. And with the far power they have up front with Victor Osimen, who had an assist for Ademola Lukman on Saturday. Really, really active. Nigeria will hope to continue from there and, of course, tear teams apart in this competition. Some sports analysts tipped the indomitable Lions of Cameroon to win the game. What made the Super Eagles so above the Lions? Well, as alluded to by Cameroonian head coach Rigobert Song after the game, I think it's just the quality gap between the Nigerians and the Cameroonians that's shown through in the end. You know, I think Nigeria had just a little bit more quality than Cameroon on the night. Gone are those days when Cameroon have a squad filled with players playing at top football clubs in Europe and so on. But it's not so these days and I think that's, that's what's shown through in the end. Cameroon's highest profile player at the moment, Andrew Onana, could only have a place on the bench because it's been erratic for the team. you know. But for Nigeria, they were able to call on players experienced in Europe, playing the Premier League, playing the UEFA Champions League. And I think that was what really, really shone through in the end for them and take nothing away from the technical and tactical out- output or input of the Nigerian coach Jose Pesero. Like I once said on the Sunday side of sports, the, the 3-4-3 formation of the Super Eagles will always pose a big threat to the opponents because like Pesero was saying after I asked him a question about this formation at, at the end of the game, he said when he was playing the 4-4-2 formation last year, 
the, he was create, his team was creating chances, but they were not scoring the goals, and then they could lose the game by a long goal. So this formation gives them the balance. So they are impregnable. They considered one goal in four matches in this tournament, and now they've scored five. So these are the factors that come together and give Nigeria the win against Cameroon on, on Saturday night. Fisayo, which team will the Super Eagles meet in the quarterfinal? And your thoughts on that game? Nigeria's Super Eagles will take on the Palankash Negras of Angola in their quarterfinal clash here at the Star Felix Sofeboe in Abidjan. And I think it's going to be a tricky contest. Why? Because in this competition, less fancy teams have given Nigeria more problems than teams that are strong on paper. We can easily refer to the opening draw against Equatorial Guinea and the third group game against Guinea-Bissau, which they barely won by a lone goal. And Nigeria head coach Jose Pesero admitted that for Angola to top their group, it means that they must pay attention. And true, true to that, Angola finished top of a group that had 2019 champions Algeria and 2013 beating finalists Burkina Faso. So it's no mean feat to come top unbeaten from such a group, which means the way Nigeria are unbeaten in this tournament, so also is the Angolans. And of course, the way and manner with which they tore apart Namibia, especially in the first half, after going down to 10 men, is something very instructive that I'm sure Nigeria would like to pay attention to. Angola are getting to the quarterfinal stage of the Africa Cup of Nations for the first time since they hosted the tournament in 2010 and they will be hoping to go further. They've never gone beyond the quarterfinal stage at an African tournament. So Nigeria have every reason to pay attention to this team because I believe it's certainly going to be a cracker when these two teams meet on Friday night. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLsports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Abidjan, Ivory Coast. Sporty greeting, this is Victor Simeon, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of thoughts on The Voice of America. the sunny side of sports on facebook x formerly known as twitter and at voaafrica.com my facebook address is facebook.com forward slash voa sunny my x formerly known as twitter handle is at voa sunny sports and if you go to voaafrica.com you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes Check out voaafrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to voanews.com. Finally, American-style football. 
The Kansas City Chiefs will play the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 58 on February 11th in Las Vegas, Nevada. The Chiefs and the 49ers both advanced to the Super Bowl on Sunday. The Chiefs won the AFC Championship game 17-10 over the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens with some big miscues, including two giveaways in the end zone. And the Chiefs now will try to become the first team in about 20 years to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers made it to the Super Bowl by rallying to beat the Detroit Lions 34-31. to The 49ers trailed at halftime 24-7, to but they made the big comeback to once again make it to the Super Bowl. This will be the eighth Super Bowl appearance for the 49ers. So once again, it'll be the Chiefs against the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 on February 11th. And that wraps up the January 29th edition of the show. Thanks to producer and VOA Nations Cup reporter Muck Bill Yabaro. Thanks also to engineer Bill Andrade. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.